Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. I don't know if I'm going to say 100 and or 101, 102, 103, you know what I mean? Mm. It's a decision I have to make so that we can uh, be consistent. Anyways, this week we're going to be talking uh, JR's pick, the Clark Gable, Gene Harlow, I don't even know what it is. What is it? A, a, a romance film? What would you call this? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Red Dust from 1932, directed by uh, Victor drama. Fleming. Romantic drama. That's, that's fine. Hmm. Um, yeah. We're also going to talk about other stuff we watched, and we're going to get into some trailers, because finally there are have been a bunch of trailers dropping this week mm-hmm. that are at least worth you know looking at and dismissing immediately out of hand. Uh, how, yes. are, how are you guys doing? Awful. Mm. Worst week ever. Oh, JR sick. It's not that bad. Yeah. What kind of sick you got, bud? You know, the the sick you don't want to talk about. Oh, that kind. Oh, that bad one. But uh, you know, I've been home from work today and Monday. I felt better on Tuesday. But then the better feeling went away, so we'll we'll see what happens tomorrow. Mm. Are you Just guys take the off rest of the week off? Hmm. Are you off Friday? No, I would have. Oh, sorry, you live in a Catholic state. No, we're not off <laughs> Friday. Oh wow. <laughs> no. I win. Good. Good mm. Friday. I mean, sure. Well, I already have my spring break. Feels pretty good. Oh well, my spring break is coming next week. What did you do for your spring break? I watched a baby. Really? Sarah went back to work and yeah, I stayed home with the baby and watched her. That works. That's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, that was like a free free daycare before she actually started daycare. Nice. Mm. All right. Well, let's uh, talk about trailers. There are uh, a couple of trailers we should talk about probably. Let's start with uh, Wrath of Man. The mm. reteaming that everybody's been wanting for 20 years now. Guy Ritchie <laughs> and Jason Statham back together again. Yeah. Making um, essentially what looks like just another disposable Jason Statham actioner. That has, uh, yeah. Exactly like it, right? Yeah, yeah, and there's like no discernible Guy Ritchie touches to this whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Who is, who's for 20 years been like... I need Guy Ritchie and Jason Statham back together because I need another revolver. Mm. You know, I need hmm. that dead serious Guy Ritchie in my life. No sense of humor. Yeah, uh, that's what worked best. That's it's definitely what in the yeah this trailer. You know, there are guns. Sure, uh, it looks like they kill Post Malone in the trailer. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. Sure they do. Yeah, it's what we've all wanted to do for yeah, like two years. I'm fine with yeah. that. You know, the the issue I have with the trailer, and this isn't going to be something that bothers JR, but there's a ton of CG muzzle flash in this trailer and no recoil mm. on any of these guns. They're not firing any blanks in this trailer. It's And there's like CG bullet hits on the cars and stuff. It looks awful. Awful. I mean, say what those you are, want about... Um, those are unfinished effects. No, 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 no. no. I guarantee <laughs> it's going to look like shit. Say what you want about something like... Um, Den of Thieves, you know, which is the absolute epitome of disposable action criminal thriller or whatever. At least they have blank firing guns in the fucking movie, you know? Mm. At least there's some kind of throwback. 
Maybe this will be shorter than Den of Thieves. That would be a plus, I guess, but there's literally <laughs> nothing about this movie that is appealing to me at all. Yeah. I was I was a little confused. So is Jason Statham not a cop at all? Is he impersonating a cop? No, he's not, they're not did cops. Did he become a cop? Well, they're not cops. They're security guys who work security for the uh, mm. cars, right? Yeah. And then he, his, his people were killed I by thieves. I just thought those thieves. were cops. So he goes undercover into the armored car security uh, As a racket. <laughs> no, no, I don't think he's a cop. I think he's there to get revenge on the on the uh, thieves. That's why whenever yeah, they he, rob the oh, thing okay. the first time, he's like, I'll take care of this. And he just murders everybody. Right, yeah. In this John Wick style. Dude, it looks like a nightmare. It looks like an absolute was, nightmare. Obviously, mm. I was confused. So yeah. thanks for clearing that up. It's a piece of shit. Um, yeah. So go ahead and scratch that one off. And uh, next up. The biggest trailer drop of the week, James Gunn coming at you with mm. uh, Guardians of the Galaxy three. I mean, uh, uh, the the Suicide Squad. Uh, it's the it's the potty mouth Guardians. Sure, mm. sure, yeah, sure. yeah. It's just it's just funny to me how they structure this the the trailer in the exact same way as the Guardians trailers. The same kind of music, like seventies songs. Yeah, and like. The humor is very similar. I don't know. It's just it's. I mean, it's James Gunn. You know. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 I don't know. This is this is encouraging for you guys. You guys psyched about this? No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I was. I. I mean, I, I texted you this. I loved. I loved that a character took a, a slow mo swig of a Mister Pipcan. Yeah. I think there should be more Pipcans in more movies. Um, hmm. But you know, that's it. I that's all this you know like this can't be worse than Suicide Squad which I think was a disaster I, I agree think that's that. an awful movie yeah I mm-hmm. think even like compared to other bad superhero movies I think it's 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 awful and uh you know maybe I don't want to say there's like a floor on on James Gunn's filmmaking but you would hope that it's going to be more entertaining than that yeah, um, I mean, I, I liked, uh, you know, I thought there was a humor beat in there that I enjoyed, which was uh, when the guy from uh, Prisoners, they're like, they're like, we're all going to die. And the guy from Prisoners says, I sure hope so. <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't even know what's going on. And then Idris Elba's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what it is about that, but that really got me going. I cracked up when that happened. But then, you know, it's immediately undercut by the the John Cena stuff, which is, I, I, I'm just, I can't get into, I mean, God bless him. He's better than the rock, but I, I can't, I can't do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like Cena, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just not, I'm just not into it. This, uh, you know, I didn't see suicide squad, so I'm not going to see the suicide squad. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, you're, I a, just, you're a guardian's head, right? They're okay. Yeah, I mean they're they're okay. Uh, (laughs) You like like James Gunn though? No. uh, No. Oh. Well, okay. So I, I mean it's it's been many years, but I've seen his movie uh, Slither, Mm -hmm. and I thought it was one of the most ridiculous, most stupid things that I had ever seen up to that point. Uh, Because, you know, I hadn't seen Found or, um, (laughs) you know, uh, Zombies at that at that time. Stonewall. 
Yes, yeah, Stonewall. <laughs> I left, uh, I left uh, the theater in 2006 absolutely in love with Slither. Mm. <laughs> well, James Gunn seems then. like a John, like a JR type of filmmaker. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Cheap laughs. Yeah. <laughs> Just play it, playing around in genre. Like nerd stuff, like a little inside nerd garbage kind of. Did you like Super JR? What was that? The Rain Wilson one? Yeah. No. So that's weird. I Super didn't. is the only one that I have liked. Okay. Mm. Well, because you're you're an office guy. No, I don't like Rain Wilson. Actually, he was a he he was an obstacle in the film mm. for me. But uh, but I I was won over. I can't. I already can't remember the name of. He did like the Superman uh, style thing. Oh, Brightburn. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, that did he? Do what that? if? What he didn't if? Direct that? Yeah. I think he, he wrote it. That. What? He did not. Pretty sure he Brightburn. just wrote it. Yeah, he, he did. did something. Yeah, he was like a producer on it. He might, he might have wrote it like like Kevin yeah, saying, yeah, I don't yeah. know. But yeah, definitely like, did not direct it. Yeah, as okay. as soon as I saw as soon as I saw that, uh, I think I saw the trailer for that, and I was like, this is the stupidest fucking thing that's ever happened. Like, what if Superman was a sociopath? <gasps> People were excited about that, and then it just kind of fizzled out because it well, probably it was wasn't shit. good. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, if somebody like, you know, like, I mean, you know, didn't Alan Moore kind of already do all of this stuff in the 80s with Watchmen? Like, oh, my God. Yes. And we've got, Alan Moore already did all of the things. And we've got right? Zack Snyder's beautiful masterpiece Watchmen that we can watch and enjoy. Oh, my God. Am I right? If you ever make that a deep dive, I'm going to fucking scream. You don't like Watchmen? No, I did not like Watchmen. I didn't like and, it either. How many no, times have you seen it? What? How many times have you seen it? How many times do I have to watch <laughs> that long movie to like it? I watched it twice and I liked it the second time. So, I don't know. Okay. And, you know, as as with all Snyder releases, it got, you know, the extended cut later. And oh, I hear yeah. that's better. The ultimate cut. That's Dawn of Justice, right? No, it's called The Ultimate Cut. The Watchmen is also oh, called okay. The Ultimate Cut. It's on 4K. Mm. Yeah, I'm not. Oh yeah, not isn't that the one where they like <laughs> cut in like all of the animated pirate stuff? Oh, I don't know. Do they do that? It's like it's, it's really long. Sure. Why? Mm. Why would they? <sighs> pretty sure that's what they do. JR's so miserable. That's right, JR. Watchmen's really low on my list of deep dives. It's coming, but not not for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You've seen it. I can't pick it. You know me. I don't pick shit you've seen before. You know, eventually, you're gonna have to start picking things I've seen. I don't think so. No. Okay. No. <laughs> I'm still watching. I'm going to get your list and JR, just start. I know. I would, I, would, that would drive me nuts. I'm watching stuff all the time that you, that you don't watch and have not watched. You know? Mm. Yeah. Like, you're watching all those shorts from 1897. <laughs> I know. You're right. I have not watched all of those. <laughs> well, you watch some of them. But, uh, but, yeah. Like, I was looking through Buster <laughs> Keaton's stuff. I, was, I watched the Buster Keaton last night. And uh, I was going to watch some today at work. And I just, I ended up having to, I had to finish watching Red Dust. And, um. I noticed that you had seen all these Buster Keaton ones. I was like, ah, I want to see shit that JR hasn't seen. So I can be like, JR, how have you not seen this? This shit is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Baton Rouge Library used to have like a big DVD collection of his shorts. And I know I, I checked that out and watched all those at some point. Nice. Canopy mm, has a shit ton of his stuff on there. And um, I think... Uh, one of his one of his features is on Criterion Channel, and then YouTube has like almost all of his shorts. Mm. But 
Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so the Suicide Squad, uh, I guess, you know, JR is curious. I, I mean, I will watch it probably. It's rated R. <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> I'll, I'll have a review for it the week it comes out. Mm. You know, is it coming out on um, on uh, yeah. HBO? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'll watch it. The oh day. yeah, I'll, I'll watch it day one. <laughs> uh, you know, that's. I didn't think I'd be watching Godzilla day one, but I did. I did it today. That's... I didn't think I'd be watching Tom and Jerry day one, and I didn't. But I, you know, got in there like day thirteen. <laughs> that's uh, really gross. So um, HBO, they, they've got me. They've I got know. Me HBO is crushing it this year. I hate that. I don't know if you saw this in the um, news. Warner Brothers announced that they're definitely not doing that next year. Like, it's just this year only, with these releases only. They're not going to continue with it, oh. doing, releasing them on HBO simultaneously. I was really disappointed. Mm. There is time for them to change their mind. That's true. Yeah. I'm worried that they're going to change their mind about releasing shit day one. Like, come October when Dune comes out, I could see them being like, you know what, we're not releasing this on HBO Max, because the theaters are open again, and everything's fine, mm. and... We want money, but I hope yeah. I'm wrong. Anyway, let's <laughs> uh, get into uh, what we watched. What did we watch? Well, we watched one big one. Mm-hmm. Oh, Justice League, uh, the Snyder Cut, right. You um, guys want to start off with a bang? I guess so, yeah. We'll, we'll talk <laughs> about this. Let me get out my 80 pages of notes here. Mm. <laughs> I took more. I took about twice as many notes for this as I did for Red Dust. I, I, yeah, whatever. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I read your notes um, after I finished it, and I I talked them out with my buddy Rustin, who also watched this and liked it more than I did. Um, yeah, Rustin probably wasn't going to like my notes. No, but uh, but I have issues with your notes too. Although I can't really remember what any of your notes say at this point, so it's a good thing you're here. <laughs> but uh I mean I'll, I'll start I'll start out by saying I gave this a 3. It's a pass. I thought it was fine. I don't love it. And it I and I feel like your rating JR is a little high for the amount of oh. shit talking you were doing about well, this movie. <laughs> so he called this movie my... diarrhea ladies and gentlemen. Diarrhea and he gave it a 2. You know, and karmic retribution. Um the uh, I, f- I feel like a lot of my anger just came from like it was a very came from a reactionary place where like I'm just mad that this exists first of all I'm mad that people are loving it <laughs> or I'm just like what the fuck do you love about this like <laughs> this is just the Justice League movie that we all hated I mean not we all right here talking we all the world hated mm. Justice League and uh, we got the same story but we got it longer and with like more there're just more dumb things in it and it's like a more, it's it's better it, it is better than whatever was released in 2017 because what was released in 2017 felt like it was cut to ribbons um and it was this is more coherent in that it feels like a single film uh, but it feels long and stupid. I mean, stupid in a way that that often bored me. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with the uh, the stupid because 
like uh i i have i have some i took notes besides just uh keeping track of like the uh the captions and the 17 different kinds of music that we're playing during the movie right um <clears throat> yeah like i told you guys there's that uh that point where like batman is on his jet and he's shaving and it's like a slow motion of his razor under the tap it's like oh it's a it's a shit quattro commercial this is something i have zero memory of in the movie i so i didn't remember it you know i started i started the black and white version uh, <laughs> and noticed it then uh, yeah. uh, i did not finish i did not finish the black and white version i got about two hours in and said this is worse um, you, you invest two hours and you call it quits yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did. I wanted to see what the I wanted to see what the slow mo sesame seed looked like in black and white, which meant that I had to get you know an hour and like twelve minutes in. Um, Why didn't you just fast forward? <laughs> uh, no, because I you know I have respect for uh, for this product, yeah, I, and also <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wait, I just really wanted to it? see what this will look like in black and white, and it looks bad because it wasn't filmed and it wasn't it was not colored in a way or lit in a way that was suitable to black and white and yeah but the whole black and white thing is a weird sort of fad i don't understand it yeah well that's you know i i'm not that does not go into my rating for uh for the movie that goes into my rating for not respecting hbo even though i'm giving them all of my time every week mm. okay let me ask you this because I can, I have a lot of negative notes too. Okay, so we can we can trash this thing all day long. But let's start out. Best part of the movie, I think we're all going to agree. I don't. Why would best scene I don't in the think movie? We're all agree. You don't think we're going to agree on the best scene? No, I don't. Hmm. What's the best Maybe. scene, Jr. Um, Steppenwolf attacking the uh, Amazon stronghold. That's, that's close. That's close. I would say that in combination with the chase on the field afterward. Oh. All that shit I'm rules. considering that all the same. Okay, yeah. That's my favorite scene. The best scene okay. in the movie. That's when I was texting you and saying, ah, look, I think I'm going to love this thing because it was good. <laughs> and it's yeah. all downhill from there. Not that it's a, it's not a, it's not a fast downhill. It's sort of a it's very slow decline. Mm. It's well, a, I was yeah, it's like a downward spiral, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was surprised like how much how much action is in that first hour, um, even though a lot of that action is not important. Like the whole Diana scene um, with the <laughs> guys who are gonna like blow like they're trying to destroy they're the anarchists, man. Up a bank. Yeah, yeah. Mm. that scene is is I did not like, and I think that was right after. Um, I like the action so. of it. I like that she's like ruthlessly murdering the guys. I thought that was cool. <laughs> yeah, I I hated the like as much as I hate the Zack Snyder slow mo. I think I hated her like speed ramping or like the super sped up motion. Her quick her even movements more. where she was like blocking the bullets with her arms and shit. Yeah, that... yeah. I just think they made it look dumb. It looked awful. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I re- <laughs> I really liked that she killed the the guys. I was, I, I, for- I had forgotten it was rated R. And I was like, God, she's fucking ruthless, and there's, like, blood and shit. I was like, what is this? And then I, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is rated R. I should be paying more attention. And then uh, I talked to Dayton about this movie after I watched it. And uh, and <laughs> he said he watched 15 minutes of it, and he turned it off. And he turned it off specifically after that scene. 
<laughs> and he said he didn't like it because um because that's not how Wonder Woman would really act, like according to her comic book character. And then and then I, I and then we got into an argument about Marvel versus DC, and he says that he likes Marvel because they respect the source material more. And I was like, yeah, but the source material, like you know, like <laughs> like comic books from the fifties that were made for children. Like there is nothing to respect there, you know. And he says, and he and and then and then he got really like upset with me, and he's like, look, I just don't want to talk about this right now. I don't feel good. <laughs> and he kicked Jeez. me out of his classroom. So we're we're cool <laughs> now, but it was it was testy for a second there. Mm. Yeah, you know, I I understand that a lot of uh, a lot of people that read comics have a very specific attachment, also to to like one version of a character. There have been many versions of Wonder Woman and many personalities of Wonder Woman since mm. the 1940s uh, or whatever. Mm. Maybe it was like the 60s. I don't know. But uh, you know, we all latch on to to the one we grew up with, I guess, or the one we loved. Mm. I know that's a big deal with that's a big deal with Batman. It's like. Which Batman did you read? Because that's the one you want to see on the screen. Mm. Like whatever. Well, that's why I always say Kevin Conroy is the the Batman, and you know, like, you know, I'm I'm sure arguments can be made for the uh, for the Nolan movies or whatever. I mean, well, e- even I love the Nolan movies. Like when they first came out, like Batman Begins came out like the summer after I graduated high school, so it was like prime time for me to just love it and think it was the greatest thing ever but like now like i i still you know i still go back to mask of the phantasm as the best batman movie because you know it's it's got all it's got all the emotion it's got the it's got really good storytelling and it's short and to the point and the acting is great the music is great and it's animated beautifully and you know, like yeah, I could I could easily say it's nostalgia because that's the first Batman that I uh, latched onto as a kid. But I look at it, and I look at it, and I'm like, you know, I look at the other stuff, and I'm like, no, it's it it is better. <laughs> I agree with you. I think that it, just on us, I mean, not to it sound it sound it does sound like a very like trolly kind of statement to say, mm. you know, like it's like people who think that you know who would tell you that their favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard, you know. But it's like, it, but it is true if you look at it just from like an aesthetic standpoint. Like, I mean, there's really not in another like Batman, like version of Batman that's as well drawn. I mean, no pun intended, as well drawn and well, um, yeah. well written. And that's probably by virtue of the fact that there's so much of it mm. compared to the other Batman uh, portrayals. You know, I mean, there's multiple yeah. seasons of it and shit like that. But. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I feel like looking through my notes, a lot of my issues came from. From the characters, like, I, I know the big deal of this was, like, add more to the characters of Cyborg uh, to give him more of a backstory, because Snyder said he's, he was supposed to be the heart of the movie. Yes, he's the heart. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and I had issues with The Flash, too, just in the sense that I don't think anyone could think of, like, a cool way to use The Flash, mm. um, which is why they gave, like, even in this version, he's still just, like, the jokey guy, and all of his like power scenes just kind of play out the same way. And um, he doesn't do anything in any fights until the end when he like turns back time, like in the Donner's Superman. (laughs) Um, It's just, that was like, okay, well this was, this added four minutes to a movie that didn't need four minutes extra. I like the idea uh, of him 
using his power to create electricity, like an electrical field, mm. to uh, to raise Superman. Like I thought that was an interesting idea, and I like the way that it's portrayed, like where he's he doesn't really understand it, he doesn't know how to control it, and he's like, if I get near the speed of light, you know, weird starts to, weird stuff starts to happen with time. I was like, I think that's interesting because it feels like in most movies they would just have the character know exactly what he could do, but this guy doesn't really even understand it himself. Mm. He's like that fast. I thought that was kind of an interesting idea. But the problem with the Flash that I have comes in the uh, fight with Superman directly after that, which is he's moving quickly to save uh, Aquaman or whoever Superman has his uh, hand around his throat. Mm. And... um, Suddenly, Superman can see him moving, and it's like, okay, so Superman is as fast as Flash, mm. right? Yes. So it's like, what's the point of Flash? <laughs> like, if no Super- point, no exactly. point of Flash. Exactly. It's like if Superman is as fast as Flash, then Flash literally has no reason to exist, right? I mean, like all the other characters sort of have uh, uh, some other aspect to themselves that superman can't necessarily fill right like superman's not gonna be able to hack computers and shit like cyborg Mm. and he's not as smart or technologically savvy as batman i mean him and one i guess they might have sort of and uh, like and what is aquaman adding i feel like aquaman nothing to this movie strong aquaman's the han solo he's he's the the jokester badass of the group the joker the smuggler yeah yeah (laughs) i love i love that he is the like I'm Mr. Ocean, but then I litter in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> let me just throw my empty whiskey bottle into the mm. ocean as uh, I let Nick Cave and the waves take me away. It'll become like a house for algae, and you know, it's gonna be sure. fine. The problem I have yeah. with, with Aquaman is that he, yeah, he literally has nothing to do the whole movie. Like after he, after they take the shit from Atlantis, he fights Darkseid and then is defeated. Like, after that, he's, like, literally does nothing with water until that moment when they're about to drown in that tunnel or whatever, and he stops the water. Yeah. But other than that, he literally does not, like, even all through the end of the movie, he never does anything. Like, he couldn't give him, like, a water scene. Like, he can just put, like, a pond of water in this radioactive, uh, whatever the fuck it was, this reactor plant thing, mm. and let him use some water to do some stuff. Like, it just makes no It's just so easy. It makes no sense to me why they wouldn't do that. Why the, they have him like running around and jumping really high. It's just like he's Aquaman. But that's but that's all they're all doing. And like you know, in that fight, so much like Batman gets so much screen time in that climax. And like yeah. I get it. He's driving his bat vehicle and he's taking out these guns. But it's like shouldn't any of them been able to do this? just as easy or easier more easily than he's doing they have to give him all the screen time because he's the arguably the most popular maybe second most popular of the characters and they have to make but they shot themselves in the foot because he's the most popular but he's also the by far the weakest and he's unable to do anything like he he fights when he fights with dark sides parademons the first time wonder woman takes out a parademon with one fucking swipe of her sword it takes him 15 fucking minutes to knock one out with his jujitsu bullshit and that's, I mean, Wonder Woman is, you know, after her first movie, Wonder Woman was massively popular, but mm-hmm. this version of the Justice League gives her nothing to do besides look at computer screens and then be like the third most prominent person in any given fight. Mm. Yeah, they uh, sideline her with Alfred for like half an hour. Yeah. Which is, it's just, it's just a weird decision uh, with what to do with your most popular character who also, I mean, and, and I know Batman was going to 
Ben Affleck was going to stay on, but like Wonder Woman's like the sure thing to like, she was definitely going to be there for multiple movies. She was popular. It's just weird. And then of course, Cyborg has a ton to do, uh, but all of it is also involving computers. He's just there to be like the hack nerd Mm. and provide exposition. And, you know, heart of this movie, whatever I get the, the, my dad didn't come to my football games like set up. It's just so trite. It's I know you couldn't think of anything better. Like they, you know, the heart of this movie. They give him like the most stereotypical, angry. Like he's not even a teenager. He's like in his early twenties because he's you know in college. But like you know, I'm I'm just angry at the world and et cetera, et cetera. And like, so I I had a I had a few specific notes for Cyborg. Like, um, you know, like. Bio, bio, blah, 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 blah. He's a cyborg. <laughs> no! <laughs> Scandal! Um, and then, like, uh, a microcassette recorder. How droll. Yeah. Um, big bro- big I mean, brother I, I, that, that, cyborg that... is watching you. Like, he seems to know everything that, that is going on in the world because he's watching it all. I talk, you know when, I, when I was talking to Rustin, I was I, I was like I was like who has a micro cassette recorder in 2020? Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Or in 2017 or when this fucking movie was <laughs> yeah. It's just like it makes like no sense yeah. that anybody would ever have that kind of technology now. Right. Like yeah. And Joe Morton, the father, mm. he's awful in this. Like he's truly bad in this. I mean, yeah, it's I hated his performance. I mean, and so was Ray, Ray Fisher. I don't think Ray Fisher sorry, was good either. He was, but and he, and he was trying to be understated, and I get it. Mm. But it was like he was—he came off like comatose. But Joe Morton was like had these goofy emotional scenes, and it was just embarrassing. Yeah, I did not buy it. I don't know. I kept I kept thinking like, you know, he was probably like, "Why am I doing this? I already did this in Terminator 2. and I and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know like because it pretty much is his character from Terminator Two. Let's guarantee that's why he was cast. Absolutely. Sure. Couldn't Absolutely. he have? Uh, so, couldn't he have put the box in the heat up thing and not stayed in there? Yeah. You would think yeah. So. Why did he have to stay in? He there had to press the button sacrifice. right next to right. it. Right. When he when that happened, I was so confused. I was like, "Why the fuck did he just kill himself?" I was ready to like. I actually made a note about. It. I was like, "This is retarded." I was, yeah. Then, I mean, um, like, once you get the reason, like the reason. That we get is not good. No, it's right. like yeah, it's have, certainly not a reason for him still to done kill this himself and not killed himself. Um, oh man. Uh, so also about Aquaman and like his sort of uselessness. If there are other Atlanteans like Amber Heard and Willem Dafoe, then what good is Aquaman? Like, why why are they seeking him out? I didn't see the Aquaman movie. Maybe this is explained. Why are they seeking him out as opposed to any other Atlantean who has the same powers? I don't think it's explained, but I don't. Is, he's like the he son has of the king. Like the comfort with, yeah, but son of son of the queen, queen, uh, yeah, human father. The queen is Nicole Kidman. Mm. No, oh, nice. It might maybe I have that backwards. Nicole Kidman remember. is the king. Well, n- no, Nicole Kidman's definitely the mom. I just can't remember which one's human and which one's not. Sorry, I think. And Patrick, not Patrick Wilson. Yeah, Patrick Wilson. Someone's his, whatever. Well, that's his, like, his half-brother. Okay. Yeah. He's the bad yeah. guy. Because I, I okay, got confused whatever. on the timeline, because, uh, like, he's, you know, saying all these, he's got that scene with Willem Dafoe, and then, like, I'm like, 
Oh, that's right. Technically, Aquaman came out after Justice League. Because, you know, they have to retcon yes. everything that happened in Justice League. So, you know. I thought Willem Dafoe was awesome in it. Dafoe is like <laughs> he, Well, of course he's just he like is. reliable, man. He comes up, he's all angry, and he's got the air bubble thing and his long-ass hair. I thought yeah. that shit was awesome. I mean, you know, there, so, there, you know I, I, there's certain people who are just great in everything they do, and he's one of them. But, um, sure. I think, uh, I think it has, sorry, back to the original question. I think, uh, seeking out Aquaman has to do with his comfort, uh, on land and how he actually spends time on land. The other Atlanteans do not come to the surface. Mm. Oh, so they might not even have known that there were, other Oh, that's Atlanteans. right. They, they probably can't cause like he's half Atlantean, half human so right 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 would have been would have been nice to just have a line in there why do you need me you can walk on land man yeah something like that and also yeah, like, land walker <laughs> i mean okay this is going to sound like a really silly question cuz it's, it's very obvious what the answer is but is there is there a story reason within the universe why he has to take just his shirt off to go swimming the tattoos i don't think so because he also like when he appears from the water, he usually has a shirt on. Yeah, it's weird. Like when too. he when he saves the guy from the boat, right. he appears on the the boat with a shirt, but takes that shirt off when he goes back into the water. He so he litters the ocean with both a whiskey bottle and his shirt. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was just like, it happens twice that he just rips off his sweater, and I was like, well, obviously they want to show off his killer bod, but yeah, you know. And then that woman like, like holds up the know. sweater to her face and smells it. Yeah, she's getting all wet yeah, from the smell a... of his sweater. Well, th- yeah, because there's like pronounced like, <laughs> you know, sniffing. Going <laughs> they, add, on. they add that uh, that ADR exactly. sniffing noise. Exactly. How'd you guys feel right, about the uh, the music choices? God, shoot me. Uh, you know, just like a little moody, <laughs> a little. Yeah, like um, I, I I like I like Nick Cave. I hated the music choices. Uh, I didn't. Though I don't dislike the songs necessarily. I don't know what they are. Uh, I didn't know it was Nick Cave, for instance. But um, there are two Nick Cave songs, oh. right? They they did have several that sounded the same. I I <laughs> wh- I was like I was like I just didn't like how it suddenly would drop and become like a music video for like three solid minutes, multiple times in the film. But then I thought about it. It actually makes total sense if uh, like they were going to make it into a mini series at one point. It would make total sense if that was like one per episode. Because Rescue Me used to do that shit, that Dennis Leary show. Mm. They used to have, like, literally every episode would end with, like, a three-minute scene, like, slow-mo scene with music. And it got really out of control (laughs) during seasons two and three. (laughs) But but I could see that, you know, that being, like, a thing. It's a very television kind of thing to do. Mm. But in the film, as a film, I think it's just weird. It just slows everything down, and and I I don't get it. Yeah, it's... I quit that show. I quit that show after the first season. The second season is outside of that. I think the second season is the best season. I think it gets it goes off the rails completely during the fourth season. I stopped watching after the fourth season, but um, you know, hmm. it's whatever. I haven't watched Talked it about Willem Dafoe, right? Let's see. Yeah. Got to erase my Willem Dafoe note. Okay. <laughs> What about Billy Crudup? You guys love Billy Crudup? He was really good. I thought he was the best part of the whole fucking movie, to be honest. You know, you're probably right. I th- like when he, like when him he... and Defoe, like the dudes who are in it for like a total <laughs> of five right. minutes out of well, four just, hours. He, 
he was so good in that last scene when um when uh his son tells him that he or his son shows him the the letter or whatever that he got hired with the police department and he gets all excited it was just such like a genuine moment of emotion mm. in this otherwise sort of vapid you know emotionless <laughs> production where all the acting is just kind of very plasticky and everything but he he seemed very genuine in that moment and mm. i like that line where he says taught him nothing he knows yeah i like that line and i was really bummed out because i ju- i read like right after that that uh he's not coming back for the flash movie they recast him with ron livingston yeah and that's i mean <laughs> i know what a da- what a step down eh yeah well you know <laughs> what can you do not hire yeah, Ron uh, Livingston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta wrap this up. We gotta move on. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll just say this. I, you know, my my quippy thing at the end of my notes. Um, you know, this movie is built on the assumption that more exposition, uh, is gonna like equal higher quality. Like, the more story stuff I throw at people, the more that they'll like it. And I just think that's bullshit. And um. Uh, I think the inf- like the inflated runtime is just annoying. Like Zack Snyder was never going to release a four hour movie. That's dumb. And I know that the whole like last forty minutes is him just like throwing all the th- ideas he had at the end. Um, but the epilogue just is like such like a wet fart in my mouth uh, mm. that like I just I can't stand the way it ends. Like the Martian Manhunter, like that's the end. That's the end of this four hour thing. I was gonna give it a two, okay. but then like. I thought it was just going to be like a couple of seconds with Jared Leto's Joker, and then it ends up being like this six, seven minute scene, and I was like, "Nah, that's that's another half star right there because it's fucking awful." I hated you it know, so that, much. That reminds me, just like it's you know that's one of the scenes that everyone loves. Like everyone is just trying so hard to give this movie the reach around because <laughs> of that Jared Leto reach around scene. I don't mind it. I like the scene. I well, you love. You I like. Like, I, I liked hearing Batman say the f word. I'm shallow that <laughs> okay. way. Oh okay. You guys want to now? Listen, I gotta say one thing before we finish. Okay, mm-hmm. with this uh, film, uh, Dark Side, Dark Side, right? No, Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf. Mm. Steppenwolf. I liked Steppenwolf. I thought he was genuinely menacing, especially at the beginning of the film. I watched scenes from the original film on YouTube, and like he looks atrocious in the original film. He looks really cool in this one, and uh, he looks. But his face—I wish he didn't have a face because he looks just like Medicated Pete. Do you guys know Medicated Pete? No. No. I'm gonna share my screen with you guys real quick. You guys ready? Is Can this you see a- this? Is this some kind of? Yeah. You see Medicated Pete? I don't know what this is, but I see it. This guy. Oh, the face? Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. Hang on. I'm not sure. I don't see. I don't see what you. I know. I'm think I see. On the wrong. I don't know why it's not showing up. Yeah. See. Uh, yeah. Never. You're, I've you're never Mobius, screen shared before. Uh, that's a Mobius drawing. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. my wallpaper. That's my wallpaper. It's not showing you what's on my screen though. Right. That's oh, odd. F- fail. I'll do an Instagram post. You'll see. Okay. All right. Um. Cool. Anyway, uh, ratings for Justice League. So everybody knows where we stand. One and a half. I gave it a two. Three. It's a, uh, you know, solid. Not quite as good as uh, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. But uh, it could make it someday. I ha- I, and I just want to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text JR all my notes because I still have about 500 notes. But uh, <laughs> anyway, let's move on. What else did you guys watch besides uh, besides Justice League? 
Well, let's, uh, let's, I'm going to keep it in the family real quick, you know, because I watched this today, so it's really fresh. Uh, you know, by family, I mean the HBO family, the Warner Brothers family. Mm-hmm. Uh, AT&T owns my soul, as you know. Um, watch Godzilla vs. Kong, and uh, that's Adam Wingard's new Godzilla sequel that uh, features Kong. It's really more about Kong. Uh, it features Millie Bobby Brown and Brian Tyree Henry, who are on one side of the world doing nothing important. And then it features uh, Alexander Sarsgaard and Rebecca Hall. And I, I think you pronounce her name Isa, Isaac Gonzalez. Never heard um, of her. Who's, she's in Baby Driver. She's like the beautiful woman. Oh, oh, uh, uh, Mad Men guy's girlfriend. Okay. Yes, yes. John Hamm's yes. girlfriend. Yeah. Um, that movie blows. Go ahead. It does. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Anyway, so uh, they're on another side of the world doing things that actually matter to the plot of the movie. Um, but I would say compared to the last Godzilla movie, which I really hated, uh, this one is more fun and it doesn't overstay its welcome in terms of runtime. It's under two hours. And uh, there are some really cool things done with neon lights. Like, it just looks cooler than the other uh, movies in this uh, universe so far. And also, the uh, Junkie XL score. um, Same guy who did uh, the pretty bad Snyder Cut score. Yeah, it's awful. Uh, There are are just a few moments in it that are very inspired. And then the rest of it's just... The rest of it's just like regular blockbuster garbage. Um, you know, don't watch this movie. It's not a good movie, but uh, I had some fun. The you know the climactic battle was exciting, and Hong Kong doesn't exist anymore, according in in this film universe. Mm. Who won? Nice. Well, um, you know, it's it's a real Batman versus Superman situation, which I. Bet most people could have hmm. assumed that uh, they weren't going to kill one of these characters off. Uh, turns out there is a third player, and um, you know they have to stop their fight and fight that monster. How exciting and original! Mm. Is it Mecha Godzilla? Great well, sounding movie. Well, Kevin, this movie came out today. I don't want to give any spoilers, but yes. Mm. <laughs> cool. Is it really? It's Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. Oh my god. The way they bring about Mechagodzilla is uh, sort of interesting. I mean, the way they bring about Mechagodzilla is the entire reason that Millie Bobby Brown and Brian Tyree Henry are in there. Uh, just like we can get to Hong Kong somehow and discover how this like uh, billionaire has created this, but it's dumb. Mm. Well, I'm uh, happy to hear it, that it's bad because it means I don't have to watch it. Mm-hmm. If you told me it was like a masterpiece or something, I would have to watch it. You know, mm. you you knew I was never going to say that. I don't know it. Uh, you're you you got some weird shit going on, my friend. You know, as of as of 2013, you were still rating short films. So I don't know what to think about you anymore, Jr. As of 2013, that's so long. Ago. <laughs> I'm just saying. But, I've come across so, all these Buster Keaton shorts, these Chaplin shorts, and you got them rated three and a half, four and a half. I'm just like, what the fuck is this shit? They're four minutes long. So. <laughs> you know? I'll tell you what's gonna. I'll tell you what's gonna happen though. Mm, okay. If uh, if Godzilla vs Kong were released by Criterion, it'd be a four and a half. Oh really? A bump? Yeah, you know, Two just just like the Criterion bump. 
just for uh, for being released on on the label. I don't believe that's a heavy bump, no, man. That's of, of way too not. much. Way too much. I mean, I give a I Criterion joke. bump. I'm not gonna lie, but it's not I, like that. I joke. That's wild. Mm. Um. All right. Uh, I'll go next. Let me just scroll back three pages to my uh, movies that I watched two weeks ago. Uh, I mean, is there a reason we need to talk about We Eat Shit, Kevin? It's a uh, uh, three-second short film animated. It was the thing we had to watch because of our letterboxed roulette game. I don't even remember what happened. I think the pigeons are eating shit in it. The, pigeon, Ooh, the pigeons are looking at it, and they, they think... One of them says, I don't think we should eat this. A fly comes along with knife and fork and... Oh, takes oh, off a right. handful yeah, of shit yeah. and then that's that's the end. It's yeah. like maybe it's like it's, what a minute. So, so you guys aren't gonna go into the the allegorical content here. No, I don't think really there care. is allegorical content. Well, I mean, I think they're probably trying to get at something about media consumption or something. I don't know. Who knows? But it's uh, I mean, it's just like a kind of a non-event. I don't. Yeah, if like, you, like well, I said last time, Pasolini did this in Solo and. As mm-hmm. as much as mm-hmm. as much as it's a you know, a very discomforting movie, you know he obviously does a does a better job. This is this is the list knows how to that make, some, make a movie. This <laughs> is we, the list that you guys pushed for. Here we go. I knew that was coming. and and you got you got a short about birds eating shit, and now you want to complain about it. I think that we should uh, honestly. I don't mind that it was a short about birds eating shit. I mind that it was like forty seconds long. <laughs> Like, and I mean, like that, you know, I mean, if, if Stonewall had been 40 seconds long, I wouldn't have been complaining, but right. it's like, I, if it's going to be something we need to watch, like, you know, it'd be nice if we could talk about it and there's just nothing to talk about with a 45 second short, you know? Yeah. So maybe we should, uh, re-roll next time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Li- exactly. Likely it is unlikely that we will get another 40 second short. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about, um, I want to talk about my. I don't even remember what number it was. My 11th Criterion Challenge watch, mm. which is Kamarad Shaft. I think it's 30s. 30s, right? It's for, Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It was, this movie's from 1931, so I guess so. Um, comradeship in English, and uh, which is kind of weird, actually, because it's comradeship like literally everywhere, like on IMDb, on Letterboxd. Mm. Anytime you look it up, it's comradeship. But then on the Criterion cover, it's the German title. Right. Which is kind of kind of strange. But uh, this is a, a film from 1931 directed by uh, G.W. Pabst, and uh, it's about a mine disaster, a mine in, <clears throat> in uh, well, actually, I guess it spans the border between Germany and France, and there's a lot of resentful feelings between the German and the French at this time because of World War One, and they're very, very upset at each other still. Even though apparently this is about is about a an actual mine disaster that happened in the early 20th century before World War One, but he he repurposed it because he wanted to make a statement about you know mm. uh, national relations after World War One. So uh, this disaster happens, and all these French guys get trapped, and the Germans. I want to get that right. Is it the French people who get trapped? <laughs> Rescue French miners. Yeah, okay. The French people get the French miners get trapped underground, and the German miners who are working the other side of the mine are like, "We got to get going and get these guys out of there." And it's just this really sort of no nonsense, no frills look at a rescue operation, and it's also very emotional. And there's these um, there's an amazing scene where the 
the Germans are discussing whether or not it's worth it to go down there. Like we could die, you know, we've been working all day too. Like, you know, it's, it's just as dangerous for us. And the one guy is like arguing that they need to do it. And they're in this crazy place, which is like a, it's like a shower room for all the miners. And they have the, I don't know if you remember this, JR, they have the chains where they hang their clothes and like they, the the clothes get drawn up toward the ceiling. And it's like these 50 foot high ceilings to keep the clothes from getting wet it's just a wild scene man but um really really cool uh really good stuff has the one of the actors in it is uh i want to get his name right is it this guy alexander gronick i think that's him alexander gronick who is in um hangman also die he was the villain in hangman also die and he's really good in this too and uh, i don't know just like i got choked up a couple of times watching this because there's like scenes where the, there's one of the German guys saying goodbye to his family and he like picks up his daughter and tells her he's got to go and stuff and it's just really emotional and uh, it just really worked for me on every level and I thought the direction was beautiful there's a lot of like just really simple uh, fluid movement fluid movement to the camera and stuff I, I don't know how else to describe it it's just like these weird like dolly shots and stuff that just work really well and are very beautiful and the cinematographer is really great especially when they're underground and uh i really dug it i gave it a five this mm. uh, overtook uh, oxbow incident for my earliest film that has a five-star rating so mm. that's comradeshaft mm. comradeship check it out yes yeah, do so, it so you're do yourself a favor so you're basically a paps guy now because yeah. i remember like you, so, you were really enthusiastic about uh west front 1918 this is better than that. I did like mm. West Front 19 a lot, but uh, <clears throat> this is this is better than that. And yeah, I do want to watch more of his stuff. Mm, cool. I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a Paps head yet. I've seen two of his films, right. <laughs> but uh, but they're both good. So I'm I'm anxious to see more. Cool. So I watched. So Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords fame. He is in pretty much, like, every, like, offbeat, quirky, awkward comedy that you could name. And this this one that I watched the other day, An Evening with Beverly Luff Lynn, is no exception. Like, <laughs> like the, huh. the performances are so, like, wooden, but it's like, I don't know if it's on purpose everything everything is everything is super awkward um so the the premise of the movie um Aubrey Plaza is married to Emile Hirsch and he's the manager of this coffee shop uh franchise and so he has to lay off one of the workers so he chooses his wife Aubrey Plaza and he he concocts some scheme to steal money from his brother-in-law and he does. Um, and then the brother-in-law enlists Jermaine Clement to get the money back. But Aubrey Plaza seizes the opportunity, takes Jermaine Clement along with her and the money to this hotel where this dude, Beverly Loughlin is going to be performing one, one night only of magic. And it just gets weirder as as it goes on. Like it's 
uh, like you find out how like there with this um, a history between Aubrey Plaza and Craig Robinson, who plays Beverly Lynn and Matt Berry from IT Crowd and Toast of London, is like Lynn's manager, sort of, and like uh, like he's trying to keep him away from. Aubrey Plaza and it's this weird like triangle and it's it's very it's it's something else. Um sounds like a nightmare, man. I mean, if if you <laughs> if you did if uh, Do you guys like uh Napoleon Dynamite? I did when it came out when I was 20. Okay. You know, or 19. If you can take that movie and make it like weirder and quirkier and more awkward, then you have pretty much what this movie is. I feel like Napoleon Dynamite would would be like the worst thing I'd ever seen if I tried to watch it now, though. I feel like I would hate it, but I don't know for sure. I did. I don't know. I did see a scene from it on Facebook the other day, actually, um, <laughs> that has the uh, the guy from the Drew Carey show. I don't know his name. He's like he plays the karate instructor in Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they go to they go to the karate studio, and he like he. He he he's teaching. He's doing a demonstration, and he gets Napoleon's brother up there, and he's like smacking him around. That was kind of funny. Yeah. So maybe that's the saving grace. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll skip this one, mm. uh, Kevin. <laughs> Jr. Yeah, I I, uh, I did two um, two movies in my Criterion Challenge. I'll cover real quick. Uh, I did. Uh, I went back to do the romance one that I had skipped earlier since I am trying to go in order. Um, and I watched two monks, which is, I think it was pretty recently released as a part of like their, like they did like the Martin Scorsese world cinema project. I think this was in the second batch of those. And, uh, this is an early Mexican sound picture from 1934. Um, it's really more a mystery than romance, but uh, it starts starts with like the, uh, this moment of violence between two monks, and uh, we kind of work, go back, and f- figure out what they're mad at each other for, and uh, this romantic rivalry that uh, came between them, and it is told with some pretty striking camera work, and uh, there's like a heavy German expressionism vibe, like to the design of the movie. And it is, uh, it's just really cool. And I wish that I had had the Blu-ray or a better copy online streaming somewhere. Cause the one I watched was like clearly a VHS rip and I, Ouch. Um, having, mm. having now seen it is like, uh, this would look fucking good. Hey, let me ask you this. I, not to jump ahead, but, uh, speaking of, uh, uh, copies of movies that you watched and the quality, you're the thing on, uh, on that. So the, uh, red dust, the site that it was streaming on. Yeah. How was that? Because I didn't watch it on that. I rented it on YouTube. It was DVD quality. It looked like it had been, you know, whatever, um, ripped from, like, the, the Warner Brothers DVD on demand. Okay. Thing that the, and that's the only DVD release it's ever had, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I... Well, the one the one that I rented on YouTube looked like shit, and I was like, I can't believe that YouTube is charging me money to watch this. It looks like garbage, <laughs> and it had the cigarette burns in it, so you could tell it was like, it was a co- you know, it was a copy of like a print. So I don't know if mm-hmm. like I don't know if they lost the negative or some shit, or it just hasn't been taken care I of. I suppose I don't think so. Um, 
I don't know. We we can get more into this. Like, yeah, Kevin, where did sure, you watch sure. it? Uh, DVD from the library, and I'm not going to say it looked amazing, but it didn't look necessarily bad either. So that's good. I hopefully hopefully someone restores that movie at some point. Just like, hope I. I want all movies uh, to be restored and have good releases available, um, regardless of how I feel about them. I feel the same but, way. Uh, yeah. So, uh, anyway, Two Monks, definitely worth watching. And uh, second one I watched was a movie I forgot. Oh, Obsession. <laughs> it was uh, my, my 1940s one. Uh, it's an Edward Dimitrik movie uh, from when he was blacklisted and working in England. And um, Obsession is, you know, while I was watching it, I was like, honestly, kind of bored. <laughs> it is uh, sort of like a chamber piece crime movie. And uh, it's kind of putting like a, a noir sensibility and visual touch on like a very stuffy uh, British drama, uh, which I guess is like interesting in theory. Uh, and I didn't dislike it, but I, I don't have a ton to say about it. Uh, I, you know. 1940s heads are gonna fucking love it but uh and usually that's me i don't know 1940s heads (laughs) i don't know just 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 dick it around i don't know but yeah that's it awesome um i I watch bad trip but i don't don't have anything to say about it at all um Mm. it was fine it was kind of funny at parts (laughs) i don't like movies like this but that's uh, the eric andre movie yeah i like eric andre so i watched it and uh anyways i watched uh immortals after the Justice League, I got the itch Ooh. to watch Immortals because I had heard at least one positive review of it when it came out. And I remember trying to watch it and not making it more than 15 or 20 minutes into it and kind of like getting bored with it and turning it off for whatever reason. And um, that was back in like 2012, so I don't remember anything about it. And uh, it's uh, it's directed by Tarsum, Tarsum Singh, who mm. did uh, The Fall, which I like a lot, I think. I haven't seen it in a while. And uh, he also directed The Cell, which I know that I like because I have seen it more recently and I've seen it a lot of times. But um, this is not great. Uh, it's a movie about the this, know, it's this convoluted sort of Greek mythology thing where there are gods uh, in Olympus, which is portrayed as just like a balcony in the sky. And uh, it reminds me a lot of, um, like, I feel like I saw, like, a Mystery Science Theater, like, a B-movie from the 60s one time that did the same kind of thing, where the gods were just, like, standing up in the sky on the balcony and, like, looking down on the mortals and talking about them. But anyways, Henry Cavill is, like, this, you know, of course, you know, like, uh, amazing John Wick-style soldier who can just take out any number of people that he needs to with a spear and a shield and he is uh, a poor peasant and his mother is murdered by the evil King Hyperion played by Mickey Rourke in a just bizarre performance bizarre casting it was when he was it was on the tail end of his sort of hot streak that started with the wrestler his comeback and that fizzled out because he kept doing stuff like this and uh, he's not, like, horrible in it. He's just kind of, like, he's just really misplaced. Like, he's does not belong in this movie at all. And uh, there's just, like, a lot of kind of goofy sequences that don't make a lot of sense. 
and a story that kind of goes nowhere. And Stephen Dorff is in it for some reason, not even attempting an accent. <laughs> and everybody is, you know, carved out of granite. They're all chiseled as fuck. They look like, I mean, it's obviously got greenlit because of 300 and mm. other movies like that that came before it. And, um, yeah, it just really doesn't work in my opinion. I think it's kind of a mess and, uh, a little bit boring at parts. And I think honestly, I I haven't seen a ton of shit with Henry Cavill in it. I've seen maybe four or five movies with him, and I I'm I think it's safe to say I think he's a bad actor. I don't think he's a very good actor, um, at all. But you know, I, I he's the weakest acting performance for me in Justice League. I think it's atrociously bad. But mm-hmm. um, I thought it was okay in Mission Impossible. But he's mm-hmm. you know whatever. <laughs> I remember liking him from uh, Man of Man from Uncle. Um, oh, see, I never saw that, you know, and that might yeah, be that's, uh, that's more of a comedic performance. So, I like Army Hammer, of course, Army Hammer's career is over now, but I, I, you know, I did like him. Yeah, same before his, before he was canceled. Um, yeah, Immortals is a must skip. Two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, uh, so. Uh, Let's see. So I did a couple of criterions that uh, ended up being back to back, although I, I didn't realize it at the, you know, it wasn't planned to be this way. Um, <clears throat> after I watched uh, Kurosawa's Kagemusha, um, which was which was good, but it was you know it's long, it's like three hours, and I was like, I, I need I need something I need. I need something else in feudal Japan to kind of cleanse my palate a little bit. So I watched Vendetta of a Samurai starring uh, Toshiro Mifune and Takashi Shimura in a screenplay written by Kurosawa and directed by a, a different fellow. Um, it's an it's sort of it's got a lot of similarities to Rashomon because like. Most of the movie is flashbacks leading up to what is what is happening in the present and um yeah, Sorry, it's real good. quick, check check when you get a check and check your Instagrams, okay? Check okay. Fomiac's Instagram, I just posted it. Okay. Tell me tell me this is not he doesn't look exactly like this guy. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh let's see. So that was the um uh, that was the samurai pick. And I also watched uh, The Black Cat, starring uh, Boris Karloff, and um, I'm doing this with my fingers because of uh, that scene in Ed Wood. Bela Lugosi. Bela Lugosi. Yeah, yeah. You have to be hung. You have to be Hungarian, and double jointed, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which was uh, entertaining. Uh, it's really short. It's like. It's like literally an hour, uh, but you know it's it's you know it's doesn't go doesn't really go anywhere. Um, there's some there's some cool shots, um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. Um, but I also ventured again into some of the uh, anime that is streaming on Amazon Prime. And checked out Golgo thirteen, the professional. Oh yeah, yeah. Which um, I think I think I see. I think I don't. I've marked it as watched. 
I'm about 98% sure I've seen this movie. I think I rented it from Blockbuster when I was a teenager. Oh, okay. But I'm not 100% sure, so I'm not going to mark it as watched. Right. Um, I, like, going going in, like, I, about halfway through, I was like, this is, this is pretty good. It's not perfect, but um, then I, I guess about 45 minutes out from the ending of the movie, like... Like I was enjoying it because it's you know, it's called you know it's about a hitman, and it's one of the like extremely few movies about a hitman where you know they're like going on and on and on about the code. This is how you protect yourself, the code. And mm-hmm. then you know within like five minutes of the movie they break they break their own code and you know shit goes wrong for them. That doesn't happen in this movie. It's this dude is just so good that everyone is now like, uh, you know, trying to either get out of his way or trying to kill him. Sounds like Ghost Dog. Well, always sticks to the code. Shit goes sideways because people don't respect him. And that's shit. right. That's right. They betray him. Yeah. Although, uh, yeah, I mean, I I was real. Like I said, I was really digging it up until the point where like it started to get like really like plot heavy. And, like, plot-heavy for no reason. Are you talking about Golgo still? Golgo, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I love Ghost Dog. Ghost Dog is I was, great. I, yeah, uh, I wasn't sure. I was like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Golgo starts to go off the rails, and, like, there's there's weird other uh, assassins that start showing up, and um, some sort of demon rape, and... Uh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, and then like, yeah, and then like, yeah, just way overly ex, ex, you know, way too plot heavy at you know like the last like fifteen ten minutes of the movie. It's like we didn't need all this, so like that that dropped it down to three stars. But they can't all be uh, Akira, man. That's well, they. I mean, like, (laughs) like, well, yeah. I mean, obviously Akira's at the top, but like. Yeah, yeah, like, it is. Yeah, but like, uh, memories is fucking brilliant. I, I want to see that know, too. I haven't got. Yeah, it's it's that. it's yeah, it's still streaming. Uh, Robot Carnival isn't as good, but it's still very entertaining. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, that's Golgo Thirteen, the professional. Awesome, mm. Jr. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll quickly mention just because I've. I fucking loved it, and I've never heard of it before. I watched this uh, kind of weird Japanese movie from the 80s called uh, His Motorbike, Her Island, uh, which was directed by Nobuhiko Obayashi, which um, or who also directed House, which is uh, like a 70s... Oh, um, House? House Yeah, like House. Yeah, oh, House-u. right, right. There we go. You know, and that's... I know that people love that movie. It's a criterion. Um, yeah. Mm. This needs to be on Criterion, but uh, um, this is, you know, reminded me of like a. The story reminded me of a movie you would have seen sort of, you know, earlier in the Japanese New Wave, like an Oshima movie, with uh, just what's going on with the what's going on with the youths of Japan here, um, but it involves this this kid who, uh, really his first love is his motorcycle, and meets this kind of a mysterious girl. Uh, they start a thing, and she learns to ride, and she becomes she like she becomes a really good motorcycle rider. And then he gets jealous, 
and uh, it's filmed in just like this beautiful black and white and sometimes switches to color and it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what he's trying to accomplish by switching to color but eventually you just kind of go with it um, it is it's a beautiful movie it the story is moving there are aspects of it near the end that I you know that had a little bit of eye roll thing going on um, but I was in a really good mood the day that I watched this and I was just like you know cynical 30s jr um really enjoyed this and i'm pretty sure that early 20s um jr would have fucking just thought this was the best thing in the world uh and i really like it i probably want to watch it again i have it on a large file that i might send you guys eventually because that'd be great cool i'd like to see it i'm curious Mm. i've never seen house so i should probably see that too um all right. Well, the last thing I have to talk about is uh, my my twelfth Criterion Challenge watch, which is uh, Red River, directed by Howard Hawks from 1948. My third John Wayne film that I've seen, because you know what, the jury's still out. I don't know if I like him or not. You're yeah. gonna be. You're still gonna be counting like my 46th John Wayne. Movie. <laughs> I mean, it's my third one, dude. I mean, he's got he's got 46, right? You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> he's, got, he's got way more than 46. Well, I've I've mm. seen three of them. <laughs> Um, it's only my second Howard Hawks movie but uh, I liked Red River this is obviously like something of a classic I mean I know people like this movie Uh, I bought the Criterion Edition blind based on JR's rating but no pressure JR it's all good I I mean I enjoyed the film Um, I really liked Montgomery Clift in it it made me want to see more Montgomery Clift movies especially ones where he's young like this um, I liked a lot of the sort of uh, procedural cow herding stuff that they showed, like when they moved the herd across the river and everything. So the movie's about a, a, a moving a, a herd. The first, I guess, time that they ever... What do they call that when they move a herd across a long distance? There's a name for it, right? Drive? Yeah, drive, right. So mm-hmm. this is the first cattle drive uh, from, I don't know, some point to some other point. It says cattle drive to Missouri on the um, summary, and uh, I really enjoyed all the cattle driving shit, all the shots of the cattle. Like it was just all very real, you know, because it is. They actually had all these cattle. Apparently, they had fifteen hundred cattle, and they made them look like ten thousand. It's insane. Um, I really liked Montgomery Clifton. I really liked John Ireland, who's this uh, sort of like this other quick draw gun guy who joins on joins with the crew before they go on the drive and i thought there's gonna be more tension between him and clift but there isn't they they sort of become friends more or less and then like uh like two-thirds of the way through the whole dynamic changes because like the whole movie john wayne is just this totally like acerbic asshole guy who's just obsessed with getting this drive done because he knows how much money he's gonna make and he's like He's like, you know, fuck the food. Like, you're going to live on half rations for the rest of this drive, and you're going to drink watered-down coffee and all this kind of... It's like, he doesn't give a shit about anything. He just wants to get it done. And I was like, that's an interesting idea, you know? And then there's this moment where uh, Clift leads uh, a rebellion against a mutiny, essentially, and they tie him up, and they send him on his way with Walter Brennan. And... uh, I was fine with that, but I was like, this is weird because it's just like such an unusual thing to see. Even like in a movie today, it's I feel like it's very unusual to 
change who the star of the film is two-thirds of the way through the film because John Wayne is very much the star of this movie until that point and then he's gone for about half an hour like you literally do not see him and unfortunately during that time we get uh, Joanne Drew introduced who might be the most obnoxious and annoying character I've ever seen in the movie and I don't, I don't want to blame this actress who plays Tess Millay but uh, Tess Millay, I wanted to, I just wanted her to die so badly. She was the absolute <laughs> worst. Everything she said drove me insane. She falls in love with Montgomery Clift in about 40 seconds for no reason whatsoever. It just felt very, very contrived, very fake, very phony. And uh, I hated it. And it drove me fucking insane. And I was like, I was loving this movie. And then it just took a nosedive with this character and she's a huge part of the way it ends, and I was loving the ending, the confrontation between John Wayne and Montgomery Clift, where John Wayne's been talking the whole movie about how he, I mean, ever since the mutiny, he's done, I gotta kill this guy, he's gotta die, you know? And it's like, will he kill him, won't he kill him? But then Tess Millay has to come over there and fuck it all up with her bullshit. And uh, I just hated it. I hated that. And it dropped it. Maybe a whole star for me. So it ended up being a three and a half. And it's not something I'll never watch again or anything like that. It's just, I wish that that character wasn't in the film. It drives mm. me insane. JR, how do you feel about Tess Millay? I, I don't have a strong enough memory of Tess Millay, so I obviously liked her a bit more than you did. Um, <laughs> and I like this movie. Shelley Winters is in this? Dance Hall Girl in Wagon Train, uncredited. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. She was in that. Anyway, uh, it's got a lot of people. It's got a Harry Carey and Harry Carey Jr. And uh, mm. like I said before, Walter Brennan's in it. It's a solid cast. Yeah. Richard Richard Farnsworth. What? Also also uncredited as Dunstan Ryder. Wow. Yeah, I don't remember the Dunstan Ryder who was uncredited. Yeah, mm. me neither. He's probably just some random guy in the background of some scene. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I mean, I you know, I I'd still recommend it. I just. Watch out for that lady, man. Be ready. Be ready. Mm. I really enjoyed the... I watched the featurette of um, Bagdanovich talking about it, and I really enjoyed all of his insights. Like, he was friends with Howard Hawks, and he would talk to him about it and stuff. And It was cool. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's all for me. So, John, now you got to watch uh, From Here to Eternity. Do I, though? <laughs> I mean... Kidding. Yeah. At some point. What, yeah. what 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 who directed that? I, Fred Zinnemann. Yeah, but why like, do I also, need to watch that? Montgomery Clift. Oh, Clift. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. and uh, Sinatra and Lancaster. Oh, Sinatra's a. It's a hard one for me. I don't know about that well. one. <laughs> I added Judgment and Nuremberg to my to my list. That's something I want to watch. Mm. Oh, Lancaster. Yeah, I'd watch Lancaster's cool. Yeah. Ernest Borgnine, Jack Warden. All right, yeah, I'll ch- I'll check out. I'll check this movie out. I'll add it to my watch list right now. Cool. You hated it. I <laughs> I thought better about it after I rated it. I th- I think I was just in a not good mood that night. You like uh, Sinatra too? I don't know. I've only seen Sinatra in uh, Manchurian Candidate. And I didn't like him in that. But I mean, who knows? I, I yeah, know you love Manchurian Candidate, so I do. I love I love Manchurian too. Candidate a lot. Um. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, do you do you have anything else, Kevin? Yeah, I'll just blow through a couple real quick. Um, I rewatched uh the Nice Guys, which I did not. 
I had literally no idea that I was going to enjoy it as much as I ended up doing. But I just laughed my ass off the entire, like, pretty much the entire time. And, like, um, you know, there's some actual, like, decent, you know, detecting going on. And, uh, you know, which which is rare for a lot of, like, detective movies. Because a lot of detective work, in if you read, like, uh, Chandler or... Uh, Hammett, like it's just they're not really doing any detective work. They're just in the right place at the right time. But uh, there's some good stuff. Uh, so yeah, like I I gave it a five. Um, then uh, Kiriku and the Sorceress, which I saw was on Criterion, but it's going off I guess like today. Um, it's this animated movie about uh this little kid who is like super intelligent like like he's like in his mother's womb and says mother give birth to me and his mother's like any child smart enough to say mother give birth to me can give birth to himself (laughs) and so he ends up like fight you know as the name of the movie would imply he ends up going up against this uh sorceress and uh it's based on like african folk tales and it's pretty good and then finally, um, like we were we were sitting in the living room the other day, and I said to my brother, "Like, what's that DVD you got over there?" He goes, "Oh, that's out of sight." Oh, let's watch that. Nice. And and so yeah, like Clooney, Soderbergh, I'm fucking yeah. there. And then talking. and then like you know seeing like the uh, like the the menu come up and like seeing the rest of the cast i was like fuck yes let's get into this steve zahn ving rames you're crushing it there's no way you could lose with this cast yeah j-lo dennis farina (laughs) albert brooks luis guzman like hell yeah like who's albert brooks in it he's uh the rich guy Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. even though like he looks, oh for some he reason looks you like said exactly like George Costanza. No, yeah, I, I remember him now. I, yeah. I for some reason when you said Albert Brooks, I thought you said Albert Finney, and I was like thinking oh, of Albert oh. Finney in my head. And I was like, who is Albert Finney? Because I know yeah. he he worked with Soderbergh later, but mm. anyway, yeah, out of sight rules, man. Absolutely. Have you seen it before? You know, I thought I had, but then as I was watching it, I wasn't sure. Oh, it's a masterpiece. No, it's yeah. not a masterpiece. It's close though. It's great. It's it's, really great. it's it's damn good is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's it for me. Okay, let's uh jump into red dust. Jerry, are you ready to jump into red dust? It's your pick, man. I'm jump yeah, we're jumping in. Take it over. Well, jump- we're diving red we're dust diving into the shallow end. From nineteen thirty two, directed by Victor Fleming. Mm. What why this movie, JR? I really wanted to look at a movie from this area that, uh, or t- area, this time period. <laughs> Era? Sorry. Yeah, there we go. Mm. That's better. I'm falling, I'm falling apart over here, guys. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to look at, at something that wasn't like a, you know, super established classic. Uh, you know, 1932s, we're still in this really weird transitional zone where, um, you know, sound is the norm of uh movie making and movie production and movie viewing uh but like the technology hasn't really caught up to it a lot of early sound movies are garbage you know it's really awkward still camera work um 
performances are often stilted because they're literally like standing around like a potted plant where they can hide the microphone, that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 32, we're, we're coming out of that area. We, we got a, uh, I said it again, Jesus Christ. coming out of that era. <laughs> uh, you know, Ernst Lubitsch is already like, he makes a uh, trouble in paradise this year, which is just like a fucking, uh, romantic comedy classic. You know, like we've got some horror movies during interesting things like the mummy, and uh dryer is a vampire and we've already had things like comradeship like it's it's not like everyone sucks at filmmaking at this time there's just kind of like this hollywood norm of of like the popular movies from that time just being not creative very dialogue focused but uh visually off um we're coming out of that again like this is also the first year that uh cecil b demille does like a sound uh you know christianity and sex epic um sign of the cross which is fucking wild um and yeah this is also like a super early clark gable movie uh you know he would be the biggest star in the world just a few years later this is pre pre mustache too which is weird to see uh and has gene harlow in one of her like you know i, I say a few movies one of her few popular movies uh and this is a few years before she died at like the age of 26 playing uh just another blonde bombshell and uh compared to what she got to do in wings like her breakout movie um you know i think she shows uh some skill here with some uh some dialogue uh this movie is a lot weirder than i remember it uh like i did not remember that you know the first impression that we get of clark gable is like holy shit this guy is a a land-owning slave-beating asshole <laughs> like holy uh you're not the I don't know if they're actually slaves, but he is in uh, like French Indochina, um, and he owns a rubber plantation, and he definitely abuses his workers. And uh, from there, we get a story of a prostitute running away from the law, jumping off a boat, and just kind of holing up in this plantation. And then um, an employee who shows up with his young wife, and we kind of get a romantic uh, triangle thing going on. I think the star of this movie is the dialogue writing. I've got a lot of issues with this movie. Um, curious what you guys thought, if anything. Um, so like what you said about Gable, Dennis, whatever his fucking name is, mm. Dennis Denny. something. Um, I just call him Fred. <laughs> why do they? Yeah, why do they call him Fred in the movie? Only sorry, uh, Fred and Lily. Those are not the names of the characters. Uh, it's it's like a at like w- one of their first interactions where they're exchanging names. They kind of just like you might as well call me Fred, then you can call me Lily. Like as though like we can't be bothered to actually learn and remember each other's names, oh, and they yeah, keep up the well, gag. Therein lies one of my main issues with the film, Jr., which is the sort of uh, fast talking. Uh, 30s uh, yeah, whatever like a, screwball comedy thing that uh, whatever it's, it's this like is, a, whatever Harlow a, a pre, is doing here it's a pre-screwball uh very sassy stylized yeah uh dialogue from from her and Gable and, and then like the dialogue between uh Gable and uh, Mary Astor is totally different I think Mary Astor, Mary Astor is the saving grace as far as the performances go. I think Holy hers shit. is, 
I I'm so sorry. Uh, so, not not that I totally disagree. I'm just surprised. I disliked going. tremendously the two leads here, uh, Harlow and Gable. I thought both of them. I thought their performances were awful, and I really thought that their characters were obnoxious and just, especially Gable, just a real irredeemably just a piece of shit. I mean, like borderline a rapist, uh, a horrible he, human being. He's a villain. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because it's like he's not, but they don't play it that way. So it's like it's just a very kind of gross situation. Like when he first meets Harlow, and he's just just being so fucking rude to her, and then all of a sudden he fucking he's about to smack her around, and he's like threatening to put her in the outhouse and lock her in, and then all of a sudden he just grabs her and fucks her, and I'm just like, what? Like what is this? What is this movie that I'm watching right now that Jr. has forced <laughs> me to look at? I was just like, I was like, this is gross. I don't know. It really, it, that, 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 it just started off on the wrong foot and that really rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I was like, I don't like what this guy is. And he, we're supposed to, I assume we're supposed to be like, he's, I mean, he's the center of the film. Like, I don't know what the movie's about unless it's about him. So, mm. and it's like, that would be fine if this were a, a modern film that was examining him from the perspective of he's a flawed character but it feels like they're not judging him at all he's just like it's fine what he's doing you know he's so uh he's so charming and good looking so you don't care but it's like i don't i i care i think he sucks and uh harlow is just i mean you know she's not a bad person in the film but or what is her name thandy or something vantine uh, Van vantine yeah um, she's not a bad person but she's just like so obnoxious and her dialogue i just wanted to wring her neck i I felt for gable in that way <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and i was reading afterwards that you know like i was re i read i went to rotten tomatoes because it said it had 100 percent on rotten tomatoes with seven reviews i was like well i gotta read some of these reviews because clearly mm. i'm missing something and uh and i went to read their reviews and they're praising gable's performance they're praising gene harlow's performance they're talking about how amazing the scene is where she gets in the barrel and takes a bath i'm like what is amazing about this scene i don't i mean i get it i guess in the context of like this is from 1932 it's very sexual it's very risque i get that but like i mean that's, that does nothing for me now i mean i don't you know what i mean mm. i can look at it objectively and say yeah it's like a maybe it's some kind of pushing the boundary moment at the time uh but i mean that that doesn't bring me very far to be honest that's just me though Maybe that's yeah. a big deal for some people. I mean, I do. I, I don't like Gable much in this. I do like Gene Harlow. Um, but I, I'm i not sh like, I'm still not sure. I've seen this movie twice now. I'm still not sure what I, as a viewer, am supposed to believe about Gable. Because he is a villain. Uh, the movie, like the way it ends, my, minus the very last scene, the way it ends is very close to like if this movie had been made five years like after this like when he gets shot he just would have it would, he would have died because he had you know he had mm. had premarital sex uh, yeah. basically yeah. and he was and he was mean and that meant your character had to die right they all would have died actually mm. uh it would have been like a tragedy where only gary like gary walks in on a scene and all three of them are dead uh gary mary <laughs> astor's gary. husband gary's such an idiot uh, yeah uh. But so it, it, it's weird until that last scene where, you know, uh, Gene Harlow is reading Gable, the, the bedtime stories, uh, which kind of gives us this idea of a happy ending. It's uh, 
it it is i don't the movie doesn't seem to be like a fan of of gable um but what you know i don't know kevin what do you think i mean i i agree with uh everything that you guys are saying like i i think you know like it's definitely i think it's definitely a product of its time because like the 30s like and you know 40s like so many movies it's just you know you know some dude is like just a real piece of shit and but like i i don't know like as as soon as as soon as harlow showed up and you know they started to annoy each other i was like oh this is one of those movies like they're gonna annoy the shit out of each other and then they're gonna fall in love and they'll 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 be together in the end um you're talking uh, about most movies ever made, but okay, okay. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a it's a formula and this and this it movie is. and this movie follows it. Yeah. Uh other than that though, like um I don't know, like frankly, the the movie just kind of went by me. Like I watched it and then it was over and I was like, "Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, um so so like yeah, like I, I'm st- I'm still confused as to the the name Red Dust because they're on a rubber plantation. I uh, read about that. I read the, about the storms. That. The storms kick up the dust, and like yeah. remember Does when they wash themselves though? at the beginning? No, oh, okay. I I infer like in the beginning where they wash themselves and they've got like the the pull towel, and you see like how mm. much dust comes off of them. Um, I, whatever. Mm. I, I I'm not going to defend the name. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's better yeah, than Mogambo, th- though, right? <laughs> Which, yeah, I if I, I had known if I had known Mogambo existed, I probably would have tried to watch it before this. I don't. Th- I think you would still hate Gable in that a lot. Uh, I don't remember if that name makes any more sense. I mean, that might be like the name of the the plantation in in that movie, right? Yeah, I don't um, know. I I've got one. Oh, sorry, Kevin. No, I was just gonna say like, um, yeah, like. It, yeah, it, it to me it just kind of went by as like typical kind of uh, you know romantic comedy, um, with you know like, uh, you know a little a little bit of like sort of, I don't know exactly what how what you would describe it as you know like sort of Oscar Wildean you know, um. That's fair. Yeah. I, like, yeah, I mean, like I, dr- dramatic irony, like, like, sure. like the audience knows that certain things are going on that yeah, the characters don't know. Yeah, but see, that's the problem know. is that, that, but, um, that all that stuff that happens that the audience knows is going on, but the characters don't know, mm. and all. Anything, anything that's interesting or intriguing about the plot, as far as this affair goes, mm. nothing fucking happens until forty-five minutes into the movie, and the first forty-five minutes of the movie. Yeah. I was really scratching my head. I was like, I don't know what this movie is. Like, I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know what I'm supposed to be getting out of this. These characters are just existing to exist. Like, there's no conflict whatsoever. There's there's conflict on the surface of, like, you know, Gable is yelling at people and stuff. But, like, there's mm. just nothing happening. And the guy was, like, dying of this fever. And I'm just like, I don't understand what I'm... Like, well, and then Gable's, like, a hero because yeah. he's rescuing this guy. But I'm like, Gable sucks. Like, I don't want to like this guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, that's... So, I don't... Again, like as the audience were there, I don't feel like we get a sense that he's a hero there. Cause so much of it is still just like, like we already know that he thinks Mary Astor's hot right? <laughs> and wants her to stick around. Yeah. Um, but it, what it does is it makes, 
uh, Gary, who's dying of the fever, like it makes him revere Dennis. Mm-hmm. Um, and we even see like Gary trying to become Dennis. Like he wants to go out on these mission, these missions. Like he wants to be out in the field because he wants to impress Dennis. He wants to uh, make fun of how lazy the employees are and how sneaky they are uh, because he wants to to like get Dennis's approval, right? Like he's saying the things that he thinks Dennis will say. Um, all that stuff is set up, makes sense to me. I in, in here before, like I've got bad things about this movie too. Uh, I just want to start positive for myself do it uh, i i said the writing is the star here and and what i meant by that is uh i think that this movie sets up a few very like complex relationships and gives us some very pretty well-defined characters even if we don't like them and it works like in this space of, of amorality and uh it does all of this in 82 minutes uh I think there's like a pretty awesome economy of storytelling here. Uh, and I do like Harlow and I like the way she delivers her lines. Like the way, I mean, the way, one of the ways that we learn, like, like we never hear, she never says I'm a prostitute. Right. Mm. But uh, just like at the beginning when she's like, I'm not used to sleeping nights anyway. It's just like, that was good. That was a good line. Um, the way that when she gets on the boat after, you know, um, she and Gable have had their kind of like tryst of, of a relationship. Um, and he's like, goodbye. It's been nice having you. I was like, we doing, mm-hmm. we doing sex. We doing sex stuff here. Um, th- like, I just thought these lines were great. Uh, that's, and that is one of the few lines I thought Gable delivered really well. I, I just, I liked that stuff. And I, I like the end. Um, I like the way that the, the affair with Mary Astor plays out with her kind of like in this, she's in a melodrama Harlow's in a comedy and the way those kind of uh, come together at the end was really um, satisfying for me. Uh, And that's all of the good stuff. I Oh, besides I do again, I do want a Blu-ray restoration of this. I I've got the sense that this was a really uh, pretty movie. Um, at least when they're not in like the dingy plantation house. I love all of the rubber making stuff. Yeah, that was like really when cool. he's walking her through the rubber making process. I could have watched that mm. shit all day. Rubber's fucked. Oh, um, and so here's here's like the really the worst thing about this movie, and I'm I'm honestly surprised now that you brought it up yet. The worst thing about this movie, I did bring it up. You did, Gene Harlow. The worst part about oh it. Oh my fuck, no. <laughs> that's. I'll say that it's just objectively wrong because there's a fucking there's fucking hoy, hoy oh, is oh, the hoy, yeah. hoy is the yeah. awful the racist like, stereotype. China China yeah. racist stereotype yeah. of like this goofy servant um, with the buck teeth and you know it's not like he's just appearing in like three scenes he's he's in so many scenes in the first mm. fifty minutes of this movie he's a major and, supporting player yeah. and it's it's awful. He's awful. He's like, like breakfast at Tiffany's ain't got nothing on fucking Hoy. I actually, I disagree. I think breakfast at Tiffany's is more Maybe offensive it because it's a white guy playing it. Right. I mean, so this okay. guy is actually Chinese that's, at least. So that's, you know what? that's fair. That's fair. But um, I mean, still offensive. Um, just mm. Hoy's, Hoy's in this movie so much and that it, 
like he he ruins not he I don't want to say like this actor ruins scenes, but this character and the way he is is designed or constructed is just so shitty, and it just takes me out of it every time he's there. He gets the last line in the movie too. Of course he does. He's the comedic relief. Mm. Uh, I was so Gary. Speaking of Gary, Gary doesn't know what's going on, and there's that whole scene where he's. They're at the, the dinner scene, which is, I actually found the dinner scene kind of enjoyable in a sitcom kind of way, where everybody's literally making comments about the fact that uh, Gable has fucked Mary Astor, and uh, Gary is just, like, not getting any of it. And I, and I wasn't sure, like, at a certain point, if Gary's obliviousness to the situation was supposed to be comedic or not. Like, is it supposed to be funny that he has no idea what's going on? Because he's, like, really, like, comically uninformed. Like, he's... Like, when they have that hunting scene and he essentially inadvertently guilts Gable into stopping the affair, you know? Yeah. Like, it's mm. just, it's it's almost silly, like, how much he doesn't realize what's going on, you know? It's so obvious. Yeah, he can't, uh, he can't see past Gable nursing mm. him back to health. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. I didn't, I actually didn't think of it like that when I was watching it, that he he doesn't want to see anything bad about Gable because Gable saved his life. Mm. That's a good point. Um, doesn't doesn't help the score at all. But uh, <laughs> I, the, some of the lines, like uh, "Don't bite my arm off," like the old man said that to him, and I was like, "That's a weird because that's like that's a phrase now, but we say don't bite my head off, not don't bite mm. my arm off. So weird." And then uh, she says, "I'm." I'm Pollyanna, Pollyanna the Glad Girl, which I don't know if that's like a reference to something or, I mean, I guess it's a mm, reference to Pollyanna. Maybe. I don't, yeah, I don't get I, it. And, uh, Mary, Mary Astor says she was, I, I'm sorry, I was wool gathering. Like what? <laughs> like, was that a phrase back then for daydreaming? Wool gathering? I think so. Yeah. Look, I dude. guess. You know, you're yeah. counting sheep. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's, you, uh, that's fair. You don't fucking... You just don't fucking get 1932, all right? I don't, man. <laughs> this is the first movie I've ever seen from this year, by the way. Um, Holy shit. Also, one of the characters, one of the women, I can't remember who, she says, he is a nice white kid, isn't he? At the end of the movie, I don't know who she's talking about, but I had to write the line down. I was like, what a line, man. He's wow, a nice white yeah. kid, isn't he? Such a weird line. And then, yeah, just like Dennis feeling sorry for himself after he ends it with, uh, with Aster. Before he gets shot, it's just I don't know. I I couldn't stand his character, man. And the jokes are brutal. And the MGM lion at the beginning has these horribly pitiful roars. He can't even <laughs> yeah, get a it roar was out. Bad. It's embarrassing. Well, <laughs> I I'm curious if that uh, was in all MGM, like if they just really hadn't figured that sound out yet or what. Yeah, I don't know. Out. It was really long too, man. It was like crazy long because they had to get him to roar three times. Mm. <laughs> but man um yeah i mean and this is this is not like the most masterful in its use of you know combination of sound and visual there's definitely like some really awkward choppy sound editing here uh the way that you know like w- we get that crickets chirping sound that'll just <laughs> cut off or like uh when the boat comes up and the boat sounds really loud and then just again just let the hard stop on that i i seem to notice those just like as like weird like we there was no nuance in sound editing yet. How about that visual movie. effect when they shoot the lion or the tiger oh, and they just yeah. reverse the image into it lying oh, yeah. down? <laughs> yeah. You know, as a 
they tried. Simple, simple idea, I guess. Yeah. What are I'm glad do? they didn't. I'm glad they didn't shoot a fucking tiger. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm out of notes. <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't take any. I felt like dog shit when I watched this. I actually. Oh man. Thought I was gonna be more. Uh, I, I was going to be more negative just because I was negative while watching it. But I felt like dog shit too, but it was more because of the movie. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, every once in a while I give you guys a bad one. Uh, Actually, I don't. I don't think this. Movie you don't is think bad. it's bad, I, but I. But yeah. I totally understand why you would. And and I like in hindsight, I I wanted to. Like I didn't want to give us like, like a stone cold classic like trouble in paradise but now i kind of wish that i had because it's also got a romantic triangle and a crime stuff and it's just it's so much is harlow in done it? no harlow's not in it good day you should have picked that one she's it's, the worst uh, it's k francis and miriam hopkins maybe hey speaking of uh you know i said that uh steppenwolf looks like medicated pete earlier um he i does, forgot to actually. mention i yeah i know i forgot to mention uh that I know I texted you guys about this. Montgomery Cliff looks like Tom Cruise and Dave yeah, Franco yeah. and Dave Franco. And I was thinking the whole time I was watching this movie, I was thinking about Gene Harlow is played by Gwen Stefani in The Aviator. Do you guys remember this? Oh, that's right. I, I don't remember that. But Gwen Stefani doesn't really look a whole lot like her, to be honest. But I, Scorsese no. apparently saw her on a cover of Vogue or something and was like, she looks like Gene Harlow. She's got to be Gene Harlow in the movie. But uh, and then it led me to read all the trivia for the Aviator, and apparently Jane Lynch played Amelia Earhart in deleted scenes, but mm. I couldn't find any images of it. Sounded like kind of ridiculous. Mm. Back before Jane Lynch was really anybody. Right. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I have a song for the intro or outro to this episode. So I was reading about Jean Harlow and how she died young and everything, and I read that Lead Belly wrote a song about her while he was in prison. When she died, mm. called Jean Harlow. So okay. that's going in the episode. And I'm out of notes. My last note was "fuck this movie." But uh, all right, well, let's. <laughs> uh, I guess that's your rating. Let's uh, let's do ratings. Right. Two out of five. Two out of five. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Giving uh, three. it three. Uh, I'm three and a half, and this this came down for me. I think uh, I was definitely more in love with it the first time I saw it. Um, so don't watch it again. Don't watch it a second time. It apparently will just go down for you guys even farther. <laughs> right. Maybe. Um, well, so yeah. do we even need to play roulette? Because, I mean, obviously you're going to win, JR, with mm. this god-awful cast. What? <laughs> you guys are being ridiculous. I haven't seen anything by these people besides. Like, yeah, if if we get Clark Gable, you're fucked. Yeah, I know. Right. I've seen one movie with Clark Gable, and this is it. Mm. But I mean, like, yeah, I've I've probably seen two Gene Harlow movies now. You you'll lose that, but that's your fault, not mine. All right, let's well, mm. let's do it. Um, I'm gonna roll the dice. We got Clark right. Gable, Gene Harlow, Mary Astor, Gene Raymond, Donald Crisp, and Telly Marshall. Mm. Assuming that all these people are in things that exist. I think so. Yeah. Okay. We could do Victor Fleming. I've seen. Two of his movies. <laughs> mm. That's not. That's not gonna help. I know. <laughs> Should have watched Gone with the Wind. Okay, you guys ready? Here's the uh, dice. Okay. You guys psyched? You guys, you guys ready for this? Ready. So psyched. Four. Four. Gene Raymond. 
Let's do it. Okay. All right. I've seen one of his movies called Red Dust. Same. JR? I've seen three of his movies. All right. <laughs> that was a big shocker. Big fucking mm. shocker. Uh, all right. So um, you got the letterbox uh, list up. I've got the number. You guys ready for this number? Yeah. I don't have it up. So I've got it up. You, okay. The number is four seven two and i'm almost there already Mm. so don't even worry about it 472 is the angel's melancholia Mm. directed by marion dora uh tagline the most controversial movie ever made (laughs) and uh and is this at least five minutes long it's 164 minutes long. Jesus Christ, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's a German film, apparently. Um, mm. the, the dark secret, a dark secret connects Katza and Brauth, two middle-aged men. Katza has the clue that his end is near. Two friends meet again after years to share their last days in the old house. Convoluted plot, convoluted plot. I've got a half-star there. rating followed by a five-star rating. There, there are a few of each. This is a, this is a real love it or hate it picture. <laughs> yeah, mm. it's from two thousand nine. That's not a good sign either. I don't know. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, you're right. It's not. Um, you know, and th- this could be a thing where, like, if if you guys are if you're feeling the half star about an hour in, maybe that's maybe the, that's the abort time. You know, <laughs> abort. <laughs> Between between sixty and ninety minutes, if it's definitely that half star, we we get out of there. And make sure mm. that we can actually even watch this fucking thing. Mm. It's from two thousand nine. It's got to be available somewhere. No, it's it German, like, so we it, don't know. Uh, from this, uh, from the banner, it looks like it was shot on fucking VHS, man. Ugh. I mean, I don't know that that's the case, but it looks pretty gross. So we'll be watching uh, Melancholy Der Engel. Uh, for next time but next time it's also kevin's pick Mm. so kevin lay it on us what's your pick so we are gonna watch perfect blue directed by satoshi Kon. nice i have that i have it downloaded meaning to watch this for years yeah and um if um if jonathan doesn't want to like guest on the show he maybe might he for can, this like, movie maybe, he loves okay this movie. yeah or maybe he can just like record some of his thoughts sure and send I'll him see. send him on him. and we can edit him in yeah sure i'll talk to him about that and um okay that sounds good so we're gonna watch perfect blue next time on the oh jesus christ sorry i'm just reading user reviews on imdb for this movie transgressive cinema just oh, want to puke um, suddenly something I would have been really into when I was like 18. Um, anyway, we're going to be watching Perfect Blue next time. Thanks for listening to this episode. And uh, visit our website at filmyakpodcast.com and email us filmyakpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. And believe it or not, we even have a Twitter account. Did you guys know that? But I have no access to it. So Jordan still has access to it. <laughs> and, uh, but, anyways, um, yeah, like and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Thanks a lot for listening. 
And until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Dr. Love, he was looking mighty sad. This is the hardest case I ever had. Jean Howe said just before she died, two more moving pictures I would like to ride. Bang, like, bang, like, but I didn't.